Hi guys, welcome back to the Brilliana's podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Sprins. I don't know if you guys can tell, but my face is like really messed up right now. It's bright red and it has like all of these like little micro holes in it. I got this thing called the Morpheus 8 and it's like a more intense version of micro needling. It hurt so much. Basically, they put this like laser thing like on your face and they like insert little holes in your face. But, like, I'm explaining it, and I feel like it's not explaining it as well as it should be because it's way more painful than it sounds. Like, yeah, little holes in your face sounds bad, but that's, like, you know, dermaplating or microneedling, like, a lot of, like, facial procedures, you, like, put the little holes in your face. This thing, like, did that, and it also, like, burned my face. I can't even, I, didn't, I can't even explain it. And, like, there was, like, blood on my face and stuff, but it's supposed to be really good for your skin. It's, like... Re- it's really good for anti-aging and like sculpting and I go for uh, acne scars. It sounds like I'm advertising this right now. It's just like my face is bright red. So I feel like everywhere I go, I have to explain it to people. <laughs> it lasts like five days of looking like this. The pain from it is insane. Like you sit there for 25 minutes, like getting this like needle in your face. And I literally was crying. It was so bad. Like I thought I had a high pain tolerance. But when I did that thing, I couldn't. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, I was such a wimp. I try to not be a wimp when it comes to things of pain. Like, I grew up with all boys. I like I like to say that I have a high pain tolerance because I have, like, all, like, brothers and stuff. But that was rough. Um, hopefully, I'll get, like, glowing skin once it heals. I have always had a really hard time with acne, and I've done a lot of stuff for my acne and this is something I like to do once a year because right now I need to work on getting rid of my acne scars. It's so bad. I hate that I'm 21 years old and I still get acne. I feel like it's way harder having acne at an older age because not a lot of people have it and I'll look around at my friends like at their faces and their faces are so clear. Like that's all I've wanted growing up but I literally always had acne really bad. I'm just talking about like all the most random things in my head right now, guys. I literally didn't come to this podcast with a plan whatsoever. Um, I took a Waymo here, which is a self-driving car. I've been taking those everywhere and it took me to the wrong place. I've been loving Waymos, but since it took me to the wrong address, that was not cool. So I got here like 30 minutes late and I had like no game plan for my podcast. And I also like have people in mind that I want to do this with but right now I just really want to get going with podcasting and I find it hard when working with other people because you have to adjust to each other's schedule and I'm just like in go 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 mode like I've always loved the idea of doing podcasts but anyways those are my random like thoughts I had in my head Um, I am going on a trip to India in the next two weeks, and I'm very excited about it. It will be the first time I travel by myself internationally, which is terrifying. I had to figure out, like, all of the stuff on my own, like, my passport, getting my e-visa. And I've been to India before, and last time my dad did all that to me, so, like, did all that for me. So right now it's, like, adulting is just, like, hitting me in the face, like, just these small, tedious tasks, I didn't realize how annoying they are because I never had to do them Like as a kid. like When we went on trips, my parents planned all that. Now I'm planning my whole trip. I had to buy my plane ticket. I had to get my e-visa. I had to get my passport. And my passport was expired, so I had to like 
No, I literally paid to get it renewed and expedited on the service that I found online. Um, and I paid like around $300 for it. And then I found out that I can't get it renewed because I got my passport when I was under 16. So I have to get a whole new passport. So I like took my passport to FedEx and I told them like about this website I found that I sent $300 to to get it expedited and renewed. And they're like, uh, we never heard of that website. So low-key think I got scammed. I'm going to try to get a refund. But the reason why I'm going to India is for this silent retreat, phone detox retreat. I don't really know what to call it. It's like a spiritual meditating thing. There's this program that my family and I have been involved with for a pretty long time. Like my dad would fly back and forth to India growing up and he would work with these monks on this campus in the middle of nowhere. It was actually like really cool growing up with him doing that because I learned how to meditate at a really young age and I learned how to like process my emotions at a more advanced rate for my age my dad was like always heavily involved in spirituality where he just really liked the idea of figuring out what you're going through and working through it and releasing it I feel like there's so many different forms of spirituality nowadays and it's so fabricated that I don't even like to say like I'm a spiritual person on the internet because there's so many like random people saying that I don't know I feel like it's like an aesthetic now like the crystal girl aesthetic vibe and it's just that's not what I see as like what it got turned into on social media wasn't my idea of spirituality and it's turned into more of like an aesthetic like sales tactic buy my program uh hippie pants crystals dreads I don't know you know that like vibe that's like really exaggerated now um before that was before spirituality was an aesthetic, um, my family and I were, like, really involved with it, but more so with the aspect of learning how to meditate. And um, my dad is now a life coach, which also saying that out loud makes me cringe because what it's got turned into is something so cringy. Like, there's these guys on videos, you know, like, they'll be, on, like, on these YouTube advertisements saying, buy my program. Are you sad? Are you depressed? Well, do this. And, like, they're life coaches. And, like, what have life coaches got turned into? Like, this is so cringy. Um, but my dad is a life coach where he works with, like, all of his clients. And growing up, um, he would put me on the calls with his clients and we would talk about things that we were going through like in our relationship so like his clients could relate to it because my dad and I had like a rough relationship in the beginning and that's why he got into spirituality is because he was just so distant with his kids and stuff so from like going to India and like working with these monks they helped him heal things that happened in his past and work through trauma that he had so it won't affect his present with his family. But back in the days, my parents got a divorce when I was like 12. No, 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 I was like young, no, I was seven. I was very young. And when they got a divorce, things were like really rough in our household. Like there's just a lot of chaos, you know, a lot of arguing. You know the deal, like a basic um, divorced household, crazy chaotic going on. Like we had to figure out, um, 
if we were going to get rid of our dogs or not because my dad's like, I'm not taking the dogs. My mom's like, but the kids want them. And he's like, well, you can get rid of them. And then we kept the dogs at my mom's house or like my parents had to like email all the time because they couldn't like talk in person and I had to like communicate for them. That was the beginning of uh, the divorce my family went through. But things did eventually get better because my dad found this program in India. I guess I'll say the name of it. It's called ACOM. I'm really not like doing advertisements like for them. I'm like not sponsored or anything, but they have been like a pretty impactful thing in my life. Um, but yeah, it's like this program my dad would go up to and he would just like sit with these monks and they would help him see behaviors that he was he had that was really bad. Um, you know, he used to get like angry really easily. Um, so he worked through like all of his anger issues and all of that. And because he just had such a shift in his consciousness and such a change, like from the person he was in the past to the person he is now is two completely different people. He decided to work with other people and like start a life coaching business. And, um, through all the experiences we went through, like my family went through, um, we all learned a lot and we learned how to like overcome it. So he would uh, teach his clients how to overcome those experiences and he would like have me on the calls. Um, one thing that my dad helped me really work through was like dyslexia and ADHD. Basically, I got diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD in kindergarten and they held me back. I went to a fancy private school, so the learning level was more advanced and the private school like didn't know what to do with me because at the time they also did not have good special ed programs or um what are they called they didn't have good uh I don't know the words they use for it now learning acceleration programs I'm I don't know but you know the programs I had to go to the the special classrooms the special classrooms they didn't have that back then it was very uncommon to get diagnosed with like ADHD and dyslexia so my parents sent me to a special needs kids school um, and we just learned everything at like a slower rate. And my dad was like, there's no way she's going to like go through the rest of her life being stuck at the school. Because like once you're in the school, you're kind of stuck there because you're learning at a slower rate. Like I was doing kindergarten math in the second grade. Um, so my dad took me out of the school and we caught up on like three grades, three grade levels of learning over summer. It was horrible horrible and then because my dad was into this like new thing with working on your stuff like working yourself like he was really into the self-help stuff like he got into Tony Robbins he was doing India um, my dad wanted to help me work through my dyslexia and we like to say he cured it because his whole thing was there like, you should not have labels on you because once you attach to a label, you're that label for the rest of your life. Like, once I tell myself I'm dyslexic and I'm ADHD, then I'll go through the rest of the world believing that and doing things in a way where I'm like, oh, I'm dyslexic or letting it be an excuse for things. So um, we worked that entire summer on getting past three grade levels of math so I could go to a regular public school. public school. And we also worked on retraining my neurons that's gonna sound a little crazy but um I forgot the specific word there's a type of science that my dad was really into it's kind of like what Jojo Spenza does but basically one thing with me when I when I was a kid and I had dyslexia and ADHD I had really bad motor skills 
Um, like if someone was to throw a ball, like I would catch it like on the other side that they're throwing it or um, my speech was off. Uh, I had horrible handwriting. That's a big reason why my kindergarten teacher um, held me back because my artwork looked a lot different than the other kids artwork. <laughs> um, so my dad would do all these things to retrain my brain. So another thing I had was I could not look people in the eyes when talking. Like I would be all over the place. Like if you're talking to me, I'm like, like I just couldn't. So every time like my dad and I would talk, he'd be like, look here, look here. And then he said something um, to retrain the idea of looking people in the eyes. He said, um, look at me like you're watching TV because he noticed when I was watching TV, I would just stare directly at it. So he's like, okay, well, she's able to look at things like just for a long time. So what's different than her watch, like the way she looks at TV versus when she looks at another person is talking. So he reprogrammed the concept I had, the idea I had behind um, looking people in the eyes. I don't know why I had a really hard time with that growing up, but he helped fix that. And then another thing we did was, um, because I had really bad motor skills, my dad got all of these cables and I had to untangle the cables. And I had to like, time myself we would just do all these like simple tasks because we didn't have a lot of money growing up so he couldn't put me into like fancy physical therapy or anything like that so we just like found things around our house for me to do um another thing we would do is like practice like memorizing things uh we set a goal where I had to remember memorize all my multiplication facts before all the other kids in I think it was like second grade third third grade like they haven't they haven't memorized them yet and I would get a phone. Um, so after that whole summer of working through my dyslexia and ADHD, I go to a public school, which was terrifying. I was in a special needs kids school. Um, it was called New Way because it was like a new way of learning. Um, so it was just a whole new environment being in like a regular people's school. But they put me in a, I had an IEP and then I forgot what it was called. I keep calling it 504K, but I know that's like the retirement plan. 504K, I think that's what it's called. I had two things on my um, information. Um, so with that, I had to go out of class and go into the special class and sit with a teacher and like do private lessons. And I hated leaving the regular kid class to go to the special kid class. <laughs> like it really, I don't know why, but the experience of growing up with learning disabilities was a little dehumanizing. The, like, the fact that they make you go to a separate class then like the fact that they make you go to a separate class and leave all your friends behind in the big classroom. And I had experience like everyone asking me like, why are you going to this special class? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, so I just did not like that at all growing up. So I told my dad that, and he's like, okay, we're going to get um, you out of that class. We're going to get rid of your IEP or something. And we had to go to like a whole board meeting with the school to get me out of the class. It was basically, I had to meet with like a physical therapist. I had to go to this like reading class because I was behind in reading. And then like I had this other person that I would 
sit with and they would like show me these cards and be like, what are you feeling when you see this card? I don't know what it was. I don't really know the whole program I was in, but we just wanted to get out of it because it just made me feel so dehumanized and it just made me feel like different and I hated it. And like, that was my whole goal growing up is just like not being different anymore, like not being this dyslexic, like ADHD kid. So we went to the board meeting. Well, my parents went to the board meeting and they talked with the principal and stuff and they got rid of my IEP and stuff and they got me out of the special needs kid class. And from there on, my whole journey was just being at a regular learning level as all the other kids. And I had to work a lot harder and no one knew that. And I had a lot of struggles that I would face that was just like my own struggle that not a lot of kids went through where I definitely felt very indifferent from everyone in my class. Um, One of the biggest things that made me feel the most separated from everyone was my handwriting. It was just so sloppy and it still to this day is sloppy but I would get made fun of it for all the time um I was like 15 like my freshman year and I remember the teacher had me write on the board on the whiteboard and my handwriting was so bad and someone was like why does her handwriting look like that or there's another time where we had to um do these specific type of notes and the teacher just grabbed my notebook not really looking at it and he put it under like the camera on the board and it just was like trashy. Like the, my handwriting was so bad. It was just unorganized. That's another thing with my learning disabilities. I was like not that organized and everyone was laughing at it. So I had a lot of experiences where I'm just like, I'm so sick of being this dyslexic or like ADHD kid. Um, so my dad and I, we just were constantly like working through it and like retraining my brain, my neural pathways. Cause our goal was to be like, you are not dyslexic. And I got to a point, I think my junior year, where I got straight A's and I was able to keep up with everyone. Like I finally had it dialed in from years of trial and error. Um, So yeah, that was my whole journey with that. And literally, I to this day won't say I have dyslexia or ADHD. Well, for a while, I will not say I have that. But I started to say I have ADHD again because of this new trend with having ADHD. Like, I have to catch myself when I say I have it, but I feel like it's so common now for everyone to have ADHD, which is absolutely insane because I hated having it growing up. I hated being indifferent from everyone. And now it seems like everyone wants to have ADHD. It's like a cool thing. I remember like I went to college my freshman year, you know, I would never label myself as ADHD or whatever, but um, I had a lot of people around me who had ADHD and they're like Medicaid for it and stuff. And I think someone told me like, it's very obvious I had it. And since hearing that, it like sat with me. And every time I would do something that, you know, maybe as an ADHD behavior, I would just be like, oh, I have ADHD. And it made me feel better about it because something else about me, I don't know if this is ADHD or maybe it's just me or like anyone can have this, is I am unorganized or I can get lazy. Um, and I just thought that was like normal to have, like where I procrastinate a lot. But then there was like this TikTok video going, going viral saying that's called ADHD paralysis when you procrastinate. So now Anytime people are procrastinating, they're like, oh, I'm just going through ADHD paralysis. Like, there's just so many more um, labels behind, like, a lot more symptoms of ADHD that are, like, publicly known. And everyone's just, like, saying, like, any symptom they have, they're saying they have ADHD. 
Um, so I, it's good I'm talking about this on the podcast with you guys because I really have to like catch myself when I start going around labeling myself as ADHD, which I did get diagnosed with it, but I truly believe it's not good to carry a label around with you. Um, and that argument there's two sides to it. I know like a lot of people really like labels and they think it's amazing for you. And I can totally see how labeling yourself as ADHD can help you a lot because you always thought something was wrong with you, but it's just ADHD. And it's like, oh, nothing's wrong with you. But I also feel like when I go around labeling myself as ADHD, I make excuses for things. And I usually will say I have ADHD when I'm embarrassed about something I'm doing. And it's just so much easier to blame it on ADHD. <laughs> it's so funny how I came to this podcast with no game plan and I just told you guys my entire life story. Um, well, not my entire life story. There's so much more. I just gave you guys like a little like droplet of it, but there's so much more depth I can go into with that. But I'm just going to end the podcast here. Make sure to like and subscribe. Thank you guys for watching the Brilliant Honest Podcast. Bye, guys.